Hi, this is Gordon Melton. I'm the author of the uh, Vampire book and the upcoming Vampire Almanac, and you are listening to Vampires and Slayers. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Vampires and Slayers, the podcast devoted to the world of the undead and those who would like to return them to the grave in film, television, literature, and legend. In this episode, we continue our exclusive conversation with writer-producer Mark B. Perry, who is in the midst of developing a new version of the classic 60s gothic horror soap opera, Dark Shadows, in the form of Dark Shadows Reincarnation. In our last episode, we talked about the power of Dark Shadows, how this new project came about, and the fact, as Mark himself said, you can't have Dark Shadows without Vampire Barnabas Collins, which was a relief to a great many fans out there. In part two, it's more focused on reincarnation, the sort of things that can be accomplished these days with visual effects, and a bit more of a look at the approach being taken with the new show and its characters. The stuff that's done now, you just watch it, and it really is mind-blowing. And the funny thing is, you know, you go to something like the Avengers Endgame, right? Or Avengers Endgame, and you watch that massive battle at the end of that movie, and you're blown away because, like, how are you bringing my brain into a comic book? You know what I mean? You're doing it. But that stuff's happening on TV, too. Maybe not to that scale. But there's some pretty amazing stuff that's done. I mean, Superman and Lois, the effects in that thing, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the effects in that thing are amazing. It's like the feature quality effects. Yeah, well, it can be done. It just takes time and money. Absolutely. You know, but less time than it used to, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. And in some ways, cheaper than it used to be, too, with the, with the visual effects, too. Um no, it's great. Can you imagine a time when you used to have to do 22 or 24 of these things? And then like back in the day when they had to do 39 of them? It's that I've never understood. And then I read somewhere that like on uh, My Three Sons, that uh, Fred McMurray only worked a few weeks out of uh -huh. the year. They would, <laughs> they would come in and that's why you're always just cutting to him standing in a corner. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They had to shoot the entire season's worth of shows in a couple of weeks of his scenes with everybody and then they had to go back and get everybody to get what were you wearing oh my god where's that jeans you know where are those jeans where's that shirt and and try to match it up it's like crazy well the last uh show like that that i worked on was revenge on abc i was on the first two seasons and we did right. 22 you know that show was very action-packed and there were, the the episodes were jammed with story and it was exhausting oh yeah I mean, it was a fun show. It was a really fun show to work on. It was fun to be able to think with the more twisted side of my brain. Yeah. So, but uh, it was it was exhausting. Now, where I am in my life and career, I really just want to be able to concentrate on you know making ten really good episodes a season, yeah. and that's the the way I pitched the show. It takes that into account. I mean, yes, if the, if we if it comes down to the, doing a network version, if that's where it's going to be, it's going to be. But my preference would definitely be a streaming service. No, absolutely. I, I can't say I blame you at all. You know, there are some producers who have told me like who have worked in the old model and are working in the current model or trying to sell shows. In the current. The frustrating thing, though, of course, is that say goodbye to res residuals, basically, because these shows are never going to go 30 episodes. You're There's no more thing like syndication, like it used to be of these things. Is that a concern at all? Or is it just, you have to accept it because that's just the way it is. Well, I don't know if you have to accept it. I think the writer's guild is very interested in, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the other side of it is, you know, you're only doing 10 episodes, but it may take 10 months. 
right. which is the same as when you were making 22 and getting paid per episode. So, you know, there's less opportunity uh, in, in terms of financial considerations. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then also a lot of shows, I think, are actually writing all the episodes before they start production. So they let the writers go, which means that, you know, there's no, the writers not on the set for their episode. And I got spoiled um, with that kind of thing back in the day, starting with the Wonder Years, you know, having being on the set when they were shooting your episodes. It's just the best. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you're involved in everything. It's like, oh, that line's not working. Give me a second. I'll come up with another line for you. Yeah. And I just read something that, you know, uh, writers coming up now because of this model are not getting the kind of onset and post experience uh, that helps groom them to become good showrunners. Yeah, that's I can see that because I know a lot of these guys like J.J. Abrams told me this. Brad Wright from Stargate told me this, how they all would. And Chris Carter and the X-Files, they would all nurture people through every stage of production so that by the time they left that show, they knew everything they needed to know. Right. You know, so which I guess is what you're saying. And I'm just repeating. Sorry. <laughs> you may have said it clearer than I did. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but uh, no, it's, JJ it's, Abrams said it. <laughs> no, that's right, man. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to say though, about sort of the premise of this show? If there's anything specific about the premise you want to say, nothing (laughs) (laughs) told you i'm not spoiling nothing (laughs) no i'm i'm trying to think if there's all i can say is i'm just i still pinch myself that i'm able to do this right now yeah i'm such a fanboy and and tracy mercer at amasia she said that one of the things that she and tracy curtis agreed on early on was we have to have a fanboy or a girl. We have to have somebody who's a fan of the show right. do this. We can't just bring somebody in and say, do Dark Shadows. And so when I walked in, I sort of, I mean, you know, I'm the big geek with my big flip book and everything. <laughs> and, you know, right. obviously obsessive about every little detail. <laughs> right, but I will right. tell you this, that my marching orders for this show is to capture the spirit of Dark Shadows. It has to be a contemporary show. And I know there are a lot of hardcore fans that are already saying they won't even watch it because oh, there is, there's, there's no dark shadows, but the original. Um, and you know, what a crime it would be if somebody had said that about Star Trek and they had just said, Oh yeah, forget it. Let's not do anything with that. Seven you series know? later or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, We can, we'll just keep watching it on, you know, the old show. And you know, that's a, and I'm not talking about money, but that is a multi-billion dollar franchise. And Somebody saw the vision of Gene Roddenberry and his team who put that original show together. You know, both of these shows premiered in 1966. They both had kind of low rent special effects. They were both sometimes unintentionally campy. Right. But, and they both have massive cult followings. And yet Star Trek has been, you know, the favored child of 1966. And Dark Shadows is, you know, the the little bastard child i guess and it hasn't you know the 91 series i really enjoyed i i I thought that was fun but i look at it now and i think i don't think that would work because even then it was very it was was melodramatic it was you know an almost arch at times and i think i still want to honor the spirit the mood 
the storyline and be as true to the mythology and the canon as we possibly can, allowing for the fact that as Dr. Julia Hoffman says, and I'm very fond of this quote, you know, Barnabas, the Collins family history isn't particularly famous for its accuracy, which is true. Yes, we know this. And, but I'm, I am not endeavoring to make big changes. I, um, I have read Art Wallace's brilliant Shadows on the Wall, which is the series Bible right. that laid out the, the opening of the, uh, the, the first installment of what the stories would be. And, you know, he killed off Roger Collins. He was going to kill off Roger Collins in the, in the Bible. He, he tried, Roger tries to kill Victoria. I forget why. And then he ends up falling to his death from widow's Hill. Can you imagine dark shadows without Roger and Joshua and all the other characters (laughs) that Louis Edmonds played, Um, you know, and as I've said somewhere else, um, that's when an actor owns a role and a show gets on its feet and it comes to life and you had planned to do one thing. And then here's this actor who so embodies this role and he's so much fun to write for because he's so caustic and, you know, just right. pompous. And, you know, I imagine that Louis Edmonds, by being so good in his part, he saved his character's butt <laughs> to, yeah. to stay on the show. And the writer's like, no, we can't kill him off. We can't do that. Um, and, you know, there were uh, other things in the Bible that changed. And one of them, of course, is, you know, the the off-debated parentage of Victoria Winters, uh, which was absolutely established in the Bible as being St- Paul Stoddard's daughter. Um, but then when they cast Alexandra and they said, oh, she has a resemblance, and then they started to think in that direction. But then, of course, the whole thing got dropped when the show went full supernatural oh yeah absolutely they even replaced victoria briefly and then the people didn't care anymore it's like all right let's get rid of victoria (laughs) and then they just sent her away that's it it was like oh i'm done i mean that was my show but i'm done okay great but to me the young woman going to the gloomy house on the hill is iconic right um it's so at the heart of dark shadows victoria on the train dan curtis's dream that whole story and so I definitely want to honor that. And yet I want to bring the show into the 21st century and hopefully introduce it to a whole new generation of fans. Two things out of that is one is, you know, you talk about an actor owning a part like Louis Edmonds did with, uh, with Roger, despite his, you know, well, talking about our ancestors, I mean, ancestors. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you, I, one of the characters in the pilot quotes um, uncle Roger. <laughs> as referring to them as incestors. Oh, that's great. That's great. That, that's really cool. Or as incestors, as Uncle Roger used to call them. That's great right. Uncle Roger, I think it is. That that's that awesome. <laughs> See, I like that. But Frit is another example of that, though. In the oh, sense absolutely. Of, I mean, here's a guy who's supposed to come in, do six months of the show, get staked, and leave. And all he of a sudden- He saved the show. <laughs> he totally he saved did. the show. Totally a 43-year-old did. Canadian Shakespearean actor saved the show. And, and was on the cover of 16 magazine with the little head on the cartoon bodies with David Cassidy and, and, Tiger <laughs> and I would I would get my sister's tiger beats because they had pictures of the cast. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, to think that the show could have gone away and we probably wouldn't be talking about it right now if they hadn't brought in 
And I do think that Jonathan Frid in that role, it was just this alchemy that completely worked to hook everybody. He had that, he had the gravitas. I often wondered, you know, how much of the vampire with a conscience was the way Frid was playing it. And if the writers started to write to that, or if they were trying to do that, but since they were planning to kill him off, I imagine the original conception that it was basically going to be the Dracula story that he comes in and, you know, then they would kill him off after 10 weeks or whatever it was going to be. Um, So I just have to believe that again, when you get a thing up on its feet and you start to see the show on your TV and it takes on a life of its own and you realize, Oh, wow. No, we can't kill this guy. He's gold. You know, there's, there's stories we can tell. What if we tell his origin story? Which is exactly the only reason that 1795 came around is because they said, well, if we're keeping this guy, we got to make him more sympathetic. We got to show him more human, the monster being human, uh, you know, as, and that's what they did with 1795. And I remember as a kid watching that and thinking that was so cool. I was obsessed with time travel too, Mm -hmm. back then. Yeah, well, still am. I'm any any good time travel story. I'm there, um, and I thought, wow, that is really cool, and uh, and plus, that's my favorite story arc of the whole series was 1795, the Barnabas yeah. origin story. The you know, it's it's like Shakespearean with Joshua not being able to kill him, so he seals him in the coffin. Never mind, he's a vampire and he could have gotten out. We won't go into that. Right. <laughs> You know, yeah. a fine, turn into a fine mist. He could turn into yeah. smoke. Yeah. It's a really <laughs> tight, tightly sealed coffin, man. I mean, I, hermetically so. Yes, I think so. Um, but uh, we won't go into that. Right. Um, one thing I thought they did get right in the uh, 2004 version was the bleeding hand and dripping. I mean, I think I think that was borrowed from one of the old Hammer Dracula movies, but mm. uh, the blood dripping on him that revived him. Yeah, yeah but, that's how they used to do Christopher Lee all the time. It's like drip a little blood on him. And then it's like, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Can't keep a good man down. (laughs) No, you can't. No, you can't. Uh, No, it is. It is uh, truly was amazing what they accomplished. Although, Though I do think it's funny when you get to the end of the series, Barnabas really spent a lot of time out of that coffin. (laughs) He was locked in there, but he sure got out a lot. But they also came up with innovative things. The time travel the cast playing themselves, basically their ancestors, the parallel worlds. I mean, going to the future. I mean, holy crap. I mean, if really, when you look at what that show did, it's pretty astounding. The things that sort of introduced the television. If, I mean, maybe Dr. Who did some of that stuff. I don't know, but in America, what other show was doing that kind of crazy stuff? Really? I don't, I can't name one, but you know, and I want to continue that tradition. I will yeah. tell you that, you know, um, I, loved the whole fact you know the the idea that they created this repertory company of actors and you got to see Grayson Hall and Thayer David and Louis Edmonds and you know uh Catherine Lee Scott and Nancy Barrett play these different characters I mean just and I can understand why Alexandra was frustrated apparently she wanted to play another character too but they were like no 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 you're a Victoria Winters (laughs) she was stuck like that's not fair. That's right. Everybody else is having fun, and then of course Barnabas wanted to be somebody else, or Jonathan wanted to be somebody else. So they, Bromwell. Was- oh, that was terrible, though. I mean, that was like he should have been Barnabas. Bromwell is not a. That was not yeah, a story. yeah. I yeah. Well, you know, the show was running out of steam at that yeah. point. But five days a week, 
1,225 episodes of a show like this. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And, you know, it was on for, so it was on for five years, basically, with only, there was never a rerun. And I think there were only five preemptions during the entire run of the show for news or whatever. I, what an extraordinary thing. So I would have run out of steam. <laughs> I would have been oh right there. Absolutely. <laughs> no, make it end. Make it end. Yeah, really. Um, Stake them. Our conversation with Mark B. Perry about Dark Shadows reincarnation continues in a moment. But I loved, like, I, I, I'm a fan of the 1970 parallel time story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the idea that there's this crazy room that can take you into another dimension and then when they were doing a mashup of dead ringer and rebecca i thought this is great fun and, and letting grace and hall play mrs danvers I mean, come on this is good <laughs> it was nuts and it she was... gets to kill herself <laughs> yeah that's right or putting i love putting a letter in a desk and then barnabas getting it like 150 years <laughs> later or something you know what I mean? Yes, because fortunately, someone, uh, I think it was Amy, just happened to be playing with the, or David or somebody was playing right. with the that particular piece of furniture and found the note. Exactly. But I just love I, that. It's like, I'll leave him a note. Hang on. <laughs> I'm going to, one of the things I want to catch in my second watch through is it seemed to me that in one of the, when they went back in time, Barnabas used the I Ching. And so his soul went back in time, but his body was left. His soul went back into his body in the past. Right. Which was in the coffin. And then he could summon someone, which apparently he couldn't do the first time around. He never never thought about (laughs) it. So he got released. Right. Um, But I can't remember now how he came back and whether or not there was still Barnabas's body sitting in the old house. Well, I know that his body was there, and I think at one of, one of the times I used the I Ching, and it's very funny you brought that up because I was just thinking to myself, you line up your Lego logs and just pretend they were the I Ching. I did <laughs> as a kid, but you know, I painted my, I made my dad had a wood shop in the basement. I built a coffin. Oh wow! I built a full size <laughs> coffin that uh, I used in. I made a couple of vampire movies with my friends Ricky and Larry, and Danny. Um, we made a couple of vampire movies and. So I built this coffin and I remember once uh, a guy came to work on our furnace and he came running back up out of the basement. <laughs> he said, you're a morbid boy, Mr. Perry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went from scale models to full size. Full but, coffin. And, you know, but my parents were, you know, I, I imagine parents today would probably have sent me into intensive therapy but, but didn't they recognize it was the creative element of? I think they must have because they never discouraged me, you know. And I mean, I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I was making stop action movies in the basement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, nice. Do you remember uh, the Will- yeah. the movie Willard with the rats? I'm talking the original. Oh, absolutely. Movie, Jason, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. My so parents. Yeah, exactly. And so did I. And the part where Willard says tear him up, and the rats start jumping on Ernest Borgnine. My reaction was, because I'd seen the trailer, my reaction was, ooh, it's the good part. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) I was not allowed to see a movie for a year because of that. 
And the first movie I saw inadvertently was Ben, the sequel to Willard, which I found very funny. Uh, but they just thought in Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Cornelius gets shot and he falls off the thing and he hits the deck and he bounces off the deck, right? I lean over to my friend and my parents had taken us to the movie and I said, that was cool. They thought, I thought it was cool that this ape had been killed and dropped and died. I was like, no, he hit the deck and the way he bounced up. It was interesting when his body hit the cake, but that's where my mind was. But they thought everything that I was saying, oh, this is cool. Or look at that. You know, all that is like this child needs psychiatric help because I mean, they may have been right, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't because it was the same thing. Like you were lucky with your parents though, that they, uh, they did that. Um, I, I did want to say the thing about the I Ching. I do believe there was a point to go back on that for a second is that where somebody went like this and swept them away off the table or something. And this is my memory. I could be totally wrong making this shit up. Uh, but it was, and then Barnabas had a reaction to it in the past. And I think he got sucked back into uh, the present, I think. But yeah, I, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to look for that on the rewatch. I think that was yeah. when they went back to, I can't remember. I have to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got, every time I start rewatching, I never quite make it to the I Ching. I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> but. Uh, so. Uh, and there is that great moment in 1795 where they cut to the present. I don't know if you remember this or not. And Barnabas comments to Julia, I think, or Willie, like that the past is awash now. It's swirling. It's changing. And he can feel it. He's getting new memories as he's standing. It's a very interesting moment because of what's going on. But in in the, the original or the 91? I'm talking the original. There's a bit where Fred says, I know it. I am. And I get to it. I'll make a note of which episode it is. But there's an episode he comments to somebody that like the it's in a swirl. The past is something's happening to the past and it's changing and he's gaining new memories of having met Victoria back. in. it's interesting because I think that's one of the things that fans often debate is like if Victoria had gone back in time, why didn't Barnabas know her as soon as he met her? Well, there's always like, well, but this is the first timeline. Right. And then when she goes back, it's the altered timeline. But when she comes back, he does know that she poses a threat to him. Yes, because she knew him back then. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so so it definitely is there. But it's almost like the the going back to that movie again, uh, Endgame theory, right? With time travel. It's like you're, if you go to the past, you're making your new future and your past stays the same. It's not changing. Your, your past is a new future of you. It's your right. future. Well, my favorite time travel movie is Time After Time. Oh, that's a great movie. I think that they, they just account for everything. It's like, I love the idea that the time machine is a temporal anchor mm-hmm. that wherever it exists, that's where you go. Yeah. And so it's in the museum. I just, I loved that movie. So good. Nicholas Meyer before he did Wrath of Khan. David Warner, fantastic villain. Right. Watching the news or going through the channels. I'm home. I mean, he's so happy. He's like, and he's he has that scene with um, uh, Malcolm. Malcolm, thank you. Uh, where he says something like, you may not belong here, but I do. Oh, yeah. And he's absolutely right. He does. He would fit in very easily. So, But I love how they just, they accounted for the time travel. And it, it's a wonderful movie. I love it. Yep. I hear you. So, all right. So where are we now? with with this is it out pitching i mean what what are you doing where where's this dark shadows project at what stage we have uh i have finished the re- redeveloped script mm-hmm. um with uh in the in a darker direction where i rig- originally wanted to go with the show and we are now it's the summer doldrums right now and mm-hmm. they're saying that people aren't even hearing pitches until after labor day 
Oh, so okay. we're well, gearing up. Yeah. We're gearing up to go back out. And uh, now, as opposed to the first time I pitched, I was just pitching. I didn't have a script. Right. So it was just it was a concept. Now I'm doing what we're calling a mini pitch, where I basically uh, we we do them on Zoom in the era of the plague, yeah. and um, uh, I do a mini pitch to talk about the setup of the show, the history of Dark Shadows, why it matters, why we should do it again now. Um, and then that's an intro. And I tell them how the series will work going forward beyond the pilot. I talk about a little bit about the first season and then what the model is for the for each season of the show. Right. Um, and so that's what we will be doing next. Okay. Now, when you pitch a show like this in today's day and age, where it used to be, you pitched a show that the hope was it would go 10 years, 10, seven years, whatever it is that it would go. Now, they, if it's a streaming service, especially, you get three or four years usually, and that's it, because they feel the show's brought as many subscribers as they're bringing in, and, and they have to move on to the next thing that's going to bring in more subscribers. So when you're pitching a show, do you have to have that in mind, or do you pitch it as if it's going to run forever? Well, the interesting thing is the way I've conceptualize this mm -hmm. is I can do either. I, I have a beginning, middle and end um, as a long-term arc. I, I, I know what I want to do in the very final episode, what the final image is. I know what it, what I want to do. Okay. And if it's after three seasons or after four seasons, the thing is with this model, um, with a show that allows for time travel, parallel dimensions, reincarnation, past life regressions, you're unlimited story-wise oh, as yeah. to where you can go and the stories you can tell. And, you know, um, so it can work either way. I would love for it to run, you know, I'd, I'd love for it to have a good long run, mm -hmm. but realistically, I think we could have a lot of fun if it's three or four seasons. Yeah of 10 episodes each. I, having done the network thing so many times over and over, right. I would welcome 10 episodes. Absolutely. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> you know, so you got 40 old to get told. That's not bad. It's still, uh... hey, look, I'm hopeful because, and not to keep slamming on it, but my hope when the Tim Burton movie was made was that it would do what the JJ movie, Abrams did, uh, Star Trek movie did in 2009, which is, bring it to a new audience and yet reinvigorate the old, that if you were curious about Kirk, Spock and McCoy, really weren't familiar about them, here's the original series, go back and check it out. And there was some of that, you know, then they took four years or three years between movies. And that was not the smartest thing. Burton's movie should have done the same thing for dark shadows. And based on like the first 10 minutes of the movie, you were like, ah, this is going to be good. But then it became this camp ridiculous joke fest that if anything destroyed the possibility I felt because uh, the original generation is getting older and 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 very old <laughs> I'm 60s myself and it's just like something's got to be done to to sort of reinvigorate this fandom and and this interest or it's going to fade away and this thing deserves not to fade away it deserves to stay you know i i will tell you this when i first heard about the tim burton johnny depp movie i thought oh that could be interesting mm -hmm. I, I loved the movie ed wood i was a big fan of ed wood sure. edward scissorhands you know i some of his early stuff and i thought well this could be interesting and then i saw the first still that they released of johnny depp in that ridiculous makeup and i thought oh he's 
going like in a nightmare before Christmas thing. And then I saw the first trailer and I was angry. I was actually angry when I saw the trailer and he's like saying, you know, I think he was talking to the woman on the TV, you know, go away little songstress or whatever it was. And I thought, oh no, 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 no. I am not, I'm not going to go. I'm not paying to see this movie. I will not pay to see this movie. Right. I will wait until it's available on a platform I'm already paying for. So I did not see it until it landed on HBO. Oh, you're the lucky one. Okay. And then I watched it. And when it was over, I thought, wow, they spent so much money. They spent so much money. And it was just, it was, I don't know who the audience was supposed to be because it, it wasn't, I, I, I was baffled. I mean, the brushing, the teeth, the fangs. It's just so dumb. It's just so. Yeah, I didn't. I really thought, well, this is a shame. And then when I was seriously pursuing the rights, I was developing the show, but I was going to call it Collinwood or Collinsport mm-hmm. and not Dark Shadows because I thought, you know, that has kind of put a stink on the, the brand because, I mean, it made a lot of money overseas, but right. here when you mentioned dark shadows, that's the first reference. A lot of, yeah. you know, the other reason I want reincarnation to succeed is so that when you Google dark shadows, you don't get pictures from the Tim Burton movie. Yep. The first I agree result. with that a hundred percent. Like go away. <laughs> Type in Barnabas Collins and Johnny Depp comes up. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Wrong. This is sacrilege. It is. But, uh, so, you know, so I, I was developing it with that and then i thought no you know what star trek is star trek and star trek next generation star trek discovery it's you know it's it's always got the brand name and i thought i'm not going to let that movie destroy something that is so precious to me and has been for however many years you know since right. i first discovered it in 1967 so um so i said no we're calling this dark shadows and then because reincarnation was such a big part of the original show and such a yeah. fascinating concept. I thought dark shadows reincarnation. And then I was like, okay, I like the ring of that. Right. So I'm not doing dark shadows again. I'm doing a dark shadows show, a show that takes place in the Dan Curtis, dark shadows universe. Right. But it's not a reboot. It's not it's continuation. Barnabas coming out of the coffin and troubled yeah. nine-year-old boy. And you know? I mean, there are troubled kids in it, but it's not the same. I mean, that's okay. Every generation is going to be troubled kids. <laughs> so that, that Indeed. works out fine. No, no, absolutely. So no, it's, um, uh, you know, and you got so mad at the trailer. I got mad at when the two of them were quoted as saying, well, this movie is based on our memories of Dark Shadows growing up. And I was just like, dudes, and I say that plurally, I shared those memories and they have nothing to do with what this movie is. So uh, I, know, I know there are fans sure. who appreciate the show because of the the unintentional humor right and the unintentional camp of it that's fine but what i say in my pitch is when i watch dark shadows and you look past the bloopers and you look past the bat on a string you know and the special effects it's really good gothic horror storytelling with compelling characters and it's character driven. If you don't care about the characters, horror doesn't work. Right. It's like, well, go ahead, slaughter them, you know. Um, yeah, just kill them all. You know? But if you invest in the characters and and fall in love with them, 
then then you're on the journey with them and that's how you get suspense that's how you get fear in in uh, in you know horror stories so and to me that's what dark shadows was it was character driven it was mm-hmm. again jonathan frid as barnabas yeah you absolutely know? just that's that is a rich character and then when they brought in quentin i mean all of it's just I could talk dark shadows forever. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, and I'm with you. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with, you. and the amazing thing too, is when you watch those shows and this is part of the magic of it, I think is all those episodes where Jonathan is searching for the teleprompter. He's stumbling over his lines, right? Okay. You got all that going. Absolutely. But when he's on, when he's got it as Barnabas and he presents himself in that fearful, you know, that threatening manner, Holy crap, there's nothing like it on television. When I rewatched the episodes recently, when I did my first full watch through, I remember there's a there's a riveting scene in the drawing room at Collinwood where Barnabas is talking to, I think it's Victoria and Carolyn, and he's telling the story of the history of Lester. Right. And it's storming outside. And it's riveting and it was one of the very early episodes and yeah. it was absolutely riveting i thought no wonder people started calling there i mean back in the day before the internet you had to talk about it at school and say hey have you seen this show right um but again it's it's character driven and it's a character driven gothic horror gothic romance it's, it's like a mashup the other the other frustrating thing in some ways about pitching it to a new audience is that it can sound derivative, but it sounds derivative of things that are derivative of Dark Shadows, because Dark Shadows was the grandparent of all of this stuff on television. And so those things, I mean, like the Vampire Diaries, I think they did like a reincarnated lover from, you know, the vampire's past. And um, it's like, it no, this is not derivative. This is actually the source. Exactly. <laughs> I know people don't that. realize that how much came out of it. I mean, because exactly. the reincarnation that is right. Wasn't that introduced? The former lover reincarnated on dark shadows. Wasn't in Dracula. No, it wasn't in Dracula, but interestingly enough in the Coppola film called Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. they did that. Yeah. Which and is- I thought, well, how dare you call it Bram Stoker's Dracula when it's clearly derivative of dark shadows should be dark shadows dracula <laughs> exactly or it should be dan curtis's dracula right well they did that yeah they did jack, plants. jack plants right right exactly yes. so so for you being in this position i mean it's a stupid question to ask given this conversation you and i have just had on it what is your feeling just to be in this position on the cusp of the guy being the guy who could be bringing back dark shadows i close my pitch by saying from the deepest, darkest, blackest, bottomless pit in my cold, dead heart, I have never wanted to do a TV series as much as I want to do this one. And I really believe that we have the chance to do for Dark Shadows, to make Dark Shadows to Gothic horror, what Star Trek has become to science fiction. You can be sure that Vampires and Slayers will keep you up to date on Dark Shadows reincarnation. And for the latest genre news, please check out the vampiresandslayers.net website. For more with Mark, check out the new episode of the TV Retrovision podcast, where we discuss his work on the classic series, The Wonder Years. If you're into superheroes, we've got the Voices from Krypton podcast. Please subscribe to Vampires and Slayers, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you after the next sunset.